So we are starting a new series today called Family Matters. Family Matters. How many of you guys watched that TV show as a kid? Anybody? Just me? A couple of us? A couple of our more seasoned folks know that TV show. Some of the younger ones are looking around saying, that's the first time I've seen that. Anyway, so we are actually going to spend some time talking about the family. And you go, Brandon, why are we going to do that right now after Easter? Well, for a few reasons. The first is you're going to go into the summer and you're going to have either more time with your wife or your kids or your husband uh, than normal. And uh, you're going to have more opportunities than normal to to do things with them. Uh, You're going to go on vacation. How many of you feel like vacation's not always a vacation? A little stress sometimes, right? When he says that thing and she's taking forever to get out of the hotel and he says that one dumb thing and the next thing you know, it's like, and we're all fighting, right? As you're going out to, the, to King's Dominion, right? So I've been there. So we're going to talk about some of the, the ways we should handle that, the, the way we kind of behave and interact with one another. So for the next five weeks, we're going to be learning together how to handle the most important relationship in, in the family. And the most important relationship in the family is with your spouse. It's with your spouse. And if you are single and you immediately go, oh, this one's not for me, taking five weeks off, Pastor, um, I would implore you not to. I would encourage you not to. I'd encourage you to be here because what we're going to learn is actually going to be fundamental to any type of relationship you have, but in particular, when you do get married. And Ian, you can apply all these same things when it comes to your dating life as well. Because the marriage forms the basis of the family. I mean, you guys understand this. You know this. That marriage forms the basis of the family. And if you have a good marriage, there's a really good chance that you're going to have a pretty decent handle on the family. You guys are going to get along pretty well. There's going to be a good relationship with your kids. Things are just going to function a little bit better. And studies have shown, in fact, studies, seven studies done from 2001 till 2008 had determined, and I'm quoting from their report, Children living with two biological married parents experience better educational, social, cognitive, and behavioral outcomes than do other children on average. So the relationship that you have with your husband or your wife is very important to the entire family. In fact, it's the foundation of it. I mean, some of you still gather around a marriage every day, right? Grandma and grandpa after church, you go and you get dinner, you get lunch. Like you, you know this, and we all experience this all the time. And you've seen it before when it doesn't go well. Maybe that's your story. Maybe your life would be a little bit different if mom and dad put more emphasis on, you know, being together and actually having the marriage and it working out. Maybe your life would look different. Maybe things would look different right now if they weren't going through what they're going through right now. So we understand this, so we want to see, okay, well, what do we do? What does God say? What does Jesus say? As Jesus followers, what do we do with this very complex relationship that's complex and also so heavy and weighty and the most important one that influences our entire family? And today, what we're going to talk about is likely something you've never thought about before, or maybe you have in passing. It's something that you probably are going to want to push back against. It's going to be something that you're not going to want to give credence to. It's something that you're going to want to, it's going to make you a little uncomfortable, probably push you out of your comfort zone a little bit. But uh, if we don't figure out, and I say we because I'm included, I'm married, I, I have to apply this all the time. We don't figure out how to apply this or at least address this, what we're going to talk about today, 
um, there's a good chance that your relationship has, is going to have a rocky road ahead. It's simply inevitable. Now, as we get started, um, I want to let you know, I think space is cool. I think space is the coolest thing. It's why I like Star Wars. It's why I like all this stuff. In fact, Elijah, he takes for me, he loves space too. We just got him a space blanket, comforter, and pillow. Okay, I'm a little jealous because it looks really neat. But I love space. I think it's so interesting. And uh, what's even cooler is seeing the science of space, like how things work inside of space. And um, one of them uh, is that if you guys ever heard of the scientist Neil deGrasse Tyson, when I've heard a lecture by him where he was explaining our galaxy, which is just amazing when he begins to explain the solar system. And as he explains it, like I have in this picture, the entire thing revolves around the sun. That if the sun isn't there, then we're not there. We may be there for a minute. Some of these might be here for a moment. But if the sun were to go away, there goes the gravitational pull. There goes the things that are holding the solar system together. And before you know it, we're wandering off into space somewhere else, probably to get sucked up by something else. So that is absolutely amazing to me. Now, this is what's even more amazing, and this isn't even related to the sermon, but anytime somebody is arguing against the idea of God and arguing against the idea of intelligent design, that doesn't feel like an accident. I don't know, but that doesn't feel like an accident. And when you understand the science of it, you, you kind of start to see that there is a little bit of something happening in the background. Maybe you, you're here today and you don't believe in God, or maybe you're on the edge of it and you're a lot more logical in mind. I mean, this is some of the stuff the scientists talk about, that it simply probably wasn't an accident. But that's not the sermon. The point is, the entire solar system revolves around this one thing. It's centered on the sun. And what you may not realize is that your family life, your life works the same way. It works exactly the same way. And you have an option at what you put in the center. Now, we didn't have an option in the solar system. <laughs> it happened, right? We just kind of showed up. We're circling around the sun. That's what's going on. But in your life and in your relationships and in your family life, it revolves around something. It revolves around something. And the argument I'm going to make today is if you put the wrong thing at the center, it will not hold together. If we take the sun out of the solar system and put the moon in there, it does not have enough gravitational force to hold everything together. If we take the sun out and we put Saturn there, it still doesn't have enough. If we take the sun out and put Pluto there, it's not even a planet. It surely doesn't have enough. It's not going to work. In the same way, in your marriage and your relationships and in your family, if the center is revolving around something that's not capable of holding it together, it will not hold together. It will eventually get rocked, and it will eventually cause problems for you. So the next question is, well, Brandon, what should be at the center? Should my kids be at the center? 
Should my spouse, should my wife be at the center? Should my husband be at the center? Should my work life, should that be at the center? Should my family life, should my mom, my dad? I mean, you know, Moses talks about honoring your father and your mother. Should they be at the center? What then should be at the center of my relationship? Should it be cheesecake? Should I put cheesecake at the center of my relationship? Right? Like, right, amen. I heard it. <laughs> this is why y'all are my favorite church. Y'all love cheesecake like me. Um, but like, well, what does that mean? What should I put in the center of that? I'm going to make an argument today that it should be something that may not be in the center of it right now. Jesus, when he was teaching, he was asked by the Pharisees, what is the greatest commandment? And we talk about this commandment all the time. It's what our church is built on because it's what Jesus said. So whatever Jesus said, that's what we build it on. And he said, this is the greatest commandment. This is it. This is the focal point, all of it right here. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. Love the Lord your God with all your heart. That's everything. With all your soul, that's everything. And with all your mind, that's everything. Loving God is the most important thing in your life. The most important question you need to answer in your entire life is what is my relationship with Christ? What is my relationship with God? Where do I stand? How do I feel? How do I evaluate this? Now, imagine the solar system. Your life revolves around something. And if you put anything else in the center, it's not going to make it. When that goes, so goes the entire model. The same is true for your life and for your relationships. And this is going to make you feel uncomfortable. But God should be at the center of your life. He should be at the center of your, and this is where everybody feels uncomfortable, and I felt uncomfortable, and I didn't like it the first time, but I've as I've grown older and wiser, because I'm so much older and wiser now, if God is at the center of your relationship, you can weather any storm. With Christ is your number one. When the world shakes and the wind blows and everything else, I mean, Jesus taught parables about this. When it happens, when Christ is number one, you can withstand anything. It's like having the right thing at the center of your life. So before we even start talking about the marriage, in your personal life, something is taking the spot of number one. Something is taking the spot of the sun that everything else is revolving around. And if it's not God, I just want to ask you the question, and you don't have to answer it right now, and you can, you can answer it quietly on your way home and maybe talk it over with your wife or talk it over with your friends or maybe just hint around. But what is it at the center of my life if it's not God? And is that thing, whatever it is or whoever it is, is it going to sustain me when it gets hard? Is it going to be there for me no matter what? Will it never go away? Is it eternal and everlasting? Has it sacrificed itself for me so that I could be with it again? Has it, whatever it is, or who, whoever it is, have, it, have they done that? Because if God becomes number one, then that means your spouse 
becomes number two. Don't get them inverted. If your spouse becomes number one, and this is the part where I just, when I heard this the first time, I pushed back and I was like, okay, sure, preacher. But when your spouse becomes your number one, what happens when that relationship doesn't pan out the way you want it to? And you go, not us, pastor, not us. We're not going to do that. Okay, I probably got some people in this church that can show you that it happens. I mean, it happened to, to my family, my mom and dad. That when it becomes inverted, when it becomes flipped, when number two becomes number one and your spouse becomes the number one thing in your life and you're not worried about God anymore, you don't have a relationship with him, you're not pursuing it, you're not doing any of that stuff, when you flip it and your whole life revolves around him or your whole life revolves around her, guess what you start making decisions about? You start seeing it through the lens of not what's right and wrong, not what God wants me to do, not what my Heavenly Father wants me to do, not necessarily what does love require of me, not based on the type of love Christ gave for me, how should I react? You begin making the decisions, and this is where it gets just a little bit dangerous, is what would they want? And then you allow another human to determine your action. And sometimes that's good, but when it's the center of your life, when it's the thing that's supposed to hold it together, when it's the sun and the solar system holding all these complex parts together, when that's at the center and you're putting that on a person who's not perfect, who's not capable of filling this, this role that they were never equipped to fill. Because every one of us, I believe this, this is absolutely true, that every single human has a God-sized hole in their heart. And what you put in there is so important. Because if you put your spouse in that God-sized hole, it won't work. If you put your kids in that God-sized hole, it won't work. And some of us have experienced that before. We have absolutely experienced that before because your most important earthly relationship is with your spouse. Earthly relationship is with your spouse. Your number one relationship should be with God. But that means your spouse is a strong second. He or she comes in right behind God. You go, hold on, Brandon. What about the kids? I feel you. First time I had kids, I thought the same thing. But what's going to happen when your kids leave? In fact, me and Leah set out with a goal, and we've determined it. You know, we didn't start this way. We just kind of made it up the last couple of years. We decided that we wanted to be married after the kids moved out. That's a crazy thing, y'all, because sometimes people living like the kids are never going to go anywhere. Kids can't be the center either. Kids can't be the number two either. Your spouse has to be number two because as we talked about before in the very beginning, studies have shown that a good marriage builds a good family, raises, has a higher percentage and a higher chance of raising good kids. It's important. It's just important. Your spouse be your number two. You go, okay, Brandon, well, where's that in the Bible or God? Well, I'm happy you asked. It's in Genesis. We'll start Genesis chapter 2. 
So the man gave names to all the livestock, the birds, and the sky, and the wild animals. Now, for those of you that immediately go, but that's the Old Testament. Let me finish. And you go, hold on, Brandon. I'm very educated. I know exactly what's going on. You can't take Genesis as literal. I'm going to say, okay. But the point doesn't change in what's being said here. The truth is still written on the pages if that's your take on everything. Man gave names to all the livestock, the birds in the sky, and all the wild animals. But for Adam, the first dude, no helper was found. So the Lord caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. And while he was sleeping, he took one of the man's ribs and closed up the place with flesh. Then the Lord God made woman from his rib and had taken out of the man, and he brought her to the man. And the man said, this is the best part. This is where the NIV translation doesn't grasp it. Because the, the original translation, like when it comes straight out of the Hebrew, a better translation is like, now, and it's an emphasis, which, I mean, come on, if you're a guy alone, all by yourself, and then God brings a woman, now, right? Like, that's probably what Adam, it wasn't like a now, it was whoo, you outdid yourself now, big boy, right? Like, that's what he said. He said, this is bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, for she was taken out of man. And, and this is the part where if you tuned out as soon as I said Genesis, I need you to tune back in for just a second because this is the part that we're here for. That is why a man leaves his father and his mother to be united with the wife because they have become one flesh. That there's something special that happens in a marriage. There's something special that happens in a marriage. And this is even more weighty because in in the Hebrew culture, your father and mother, I mean, that was one of the commandments, right? Honor your father and your mother. In fact, we got a guy who lives next door to us. He's 101 years old now. A wonderful gentleman. And we asked him what the secret to life was, and he said, honor your father and your mother, and you will live long, quoting straight from Moses. It was very important in Hebrew culture. But then this narrative comes along. And we go, well, hold on a second. You're saying you're going to leave and establish something completely new. What was two has become one. Because life is meant to happen, this is very important, with your spouse. You're not meant to survive your spouse. Okay? Life is supposed to happen with your spouse. It's a team sport. In fact, If you're married and you're with your spouse or your husband or your wife, I want you to look to them and say, I'm on your team. Do it right now. Look at your spouse, look at your friend, say, I'm on your team. And you go, Brandon, that's old covenant. That's old stuff. Didn't you tell us all the time, Jesus said that it's poured out as a new covenant, poured out in his blood. You know what? You are absolutely right. So let's see what Jesus says. Some Pharisees came to him to test him. So now we're in Matthew again, another gospel account. They asked him, they were trying to get him, Pharisees trying to get Jesus, is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for any reason? Now, what they're trying to do is catch him. Because there were some certain things in the oral Torah that were getting misconstrued and you know, twisted and turned and everything else. <clears throat> he said, hold on, is it, is, it, is it okay for you to divorce your wife for any reason? Jesus says, haven't you read that in the beginning, 
The Creator made them male and female and said, For this reason, a man, listen, this is the key, this is why we're here. For this reason, a man will leave his father and his mother to be united with his wife. And the two will become one flesh. So they are no longer two, they are one. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no one separate. And Jesus' point is simply this. That your spouse is your number one earthly relationship. Hard stop. Period. Start the next paragraph because that thought is done. That was his point. That was what he was trying to say. That it's, it, and this is Jesus speaking about the idea of divorce. Separating. And Jesus says, no, 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 I understand. Here's the ideal situation. I understand things need to happen because he goes on and explains situations where things need to happen. And it's like, but when, it, when you're married, Jesus says... Do not let anything separate it. Don't let things pull you apart. Don't let problems of this world and issues the things that happen pull you apart because Jesus says your heavenly Father looks down and goes, that's one now. That, that is one creation. That is one being. What God has joined together, let no man separate. And you know this as well as I do, that the culture and the world and things around us tries to separate you from your spouse all the time. Maybe not in the extreme situation of divorce, but how many of y'all little three and five and six-year-olds try to pit you against your husband? Try to pit you against your wife? I got one. He's smarter than all of us. He comes in and he will ask her something. She's downstairs. He'll ask her something. Then he'll come and ask me something upstairs. Tries to immediately pit us against one another. Now that's a fun example, but you probably got some examples in your life or moments in your life where people have tried to pitch you against your wife or against your husband. And the Lord says, hold on, this is Jesus' words, let no man separate what God has joined together. So look at your spouse and tell him you ain't getting away that easy, right? Let them know that. They ain't getting away that easy. Because a Christ-centered relationship, a Christ-centered relationship, and again, this is difficult and this is uncomfortable and this is the thing that just kind of, oh, but I want to put my kids first, but I want to put my wife first, but I want to. A Christ-centered relationship is God first, then your spouse. Because again, if we go to the solar system illustration, Christ, or God, is capable of holding it together. If you put anything else at the center, it's not going to hold it together. It's just not going to hold it together. So now, think about it from your marriage. God should still be at the center. Because when you go through the storms, and when the plane gets rocky, and you hit a little turbulence in life, When that happens, he can hold it together. He can help you hold it together. And then your children, they go, okay, Brandon, where do the children come in? Where do the children come in? Where do the children come in? Okay. Children are number three. (gasps) Number three. Some of y'all put them lower than that if I gave you opportunity. Okay? They're number three. 
Some of the kids are sitting here going, that's not fair. <laughs> I should be number one, Brandon. You're not a very good pastor, right? I can hear the teenagers now on Tuesday. Brandon said, I'm not number one. You're right, he did. Because they come later. Because if your marriage is strong and centered on God and it's focused on the right things and you're honoring your wife and you're honoring your husband and you're building on a strong foundation, then it's going to be far easier to deal with it when your kids try to pitch you against one another. It's going to be far easier when things begin to get a little rocky with your kids. Okay, I haven't hit the teenage point yet, but I've heard that's a difficult season. Okay, I don't know, but I've heard. Hearsay, right? I don't know yet. But I've heard. So if you put anything else at the center, or you get it out of order, or you get the priorities out of order, it's not going to work. Some of you go, well, luckily for us, we don't have kids anymore. They're out of the house. Good. Is God at the center of your relationship? Or is what you want? What you want to do? Your hobbies? Your work? Is that at the center of your relationship? Or is your relationship totally revolve around something different? And, and maybe the relationship doesn't even really revolve around anything because it's barely there as, as it is. And again, this series is going to get up in our face and in our grill. It's going to make us uncomfortable. It's going to stretch us. It's going to make us think about things. But the most important part, and this is, this is the way that we get anything out of this series. If you don't get this first step right, if we don't get this first step right, then everything else isn't going to work. God has got to be at the center of your marriage. God has got to be at the center of your relationship. Because if he's not, something else is. Something else is going to vie its way and push its way and pry its way into the center of your relationship. And when that happens, your relationship is not built on a strong foundation. Your relationship is built on something that's going to move. As Jesus said, shifting sand. It's just not going to work when things begin to get a little rocky and get a little turbulent. That the right way to handle it is God first. That has to happen in your life personally, and then that has to happen in your marriage. I mean, your kids will even benefit from a God-first relationship. And you go, okay, Brandon, I'm all for it. I'm totally supported. I'm amen, and I'm there. How on earth do I do that besides walking out of here and going, that was really good, preacher. That was really good. I'm going to put God number one. Well, what does that mean for your life? What are the, some of the things that we can do? How do I make it practical? How do I make it practical? And the first thing is going to be to invite God into your marriage. Invite God into the relationship. He's not going to push his way in. That's not how he works. Invite him in. Invite him in in a prayer. Heavenly Father, please teach us. Guide us. We want to be centered and built on you. Not on things of shifting sand. Lord, we welcome your guidance. We welcome your presence in our marriage. Help us. It's a good one. Help me see my wife the way you see her. Help me see my husband the way you see him. God, when I'm in those moments when I'm really angry and my temper's taken over, Holy Spirit, I want you to calm me down and help me remember that this is the most important earthly relationship that I have. 
Help me remember this is the most important person in the world to me right now. God, when I, when I want to say that thing to just send him over the moon, Lord, help me see that. Maybe if you're bold enough, you'll even say a prayer in the middle of a fight. Nothing defuses you like that because you got to get in the mindset for it. Right? You sit down and your recliner get real mad. Oh! And you're like, I got to pray. I want to pray to you. Frustrated. God's in heaven like, I didn't do it. I didn't say it. I dare you to try it. I dare you to try it. Invite him into your marriage. Real practical way, and this is going to make all y'all uncomfortable probably, pray with your spouse. Don't just pray for your spouse. That's important, okay? Pray for your spouse. If you're not praying for your spouse, start there. Start there, but pray with your spouse. Pray with them. Because when there's this relationship there, you will begin to know their struggles, their issues, their problems better than you ever could. When they feel comfortable coming to you and saying, honey, I'm struggling with anger. I'm struggling with patience. I'm struggling with whatever it is. Or I, I've got this problem at work, and it just drives me crazy, and I can't stand this guy. Can you just pray for me? I don't say something stupid to lose my job, right? Can you just get, God, I can't handle this. Can, can, honey, can you just help me through this? Like, I'm stressed out. And see, here's the great part. You have the opportunity as their spouse to pray for them when they may not be able to pray for themselves. When they are emotionally frustrated, emotionally high, not able to go before their Heavenly Father, you have the honor to step in as an intercessor for them and pray for them. Right then and there. And it doesn't have to be super long, okay? This is very easy. Try it this week. I just want to just, just try it this week, okay? Try it this week. You're going to go, it's really weird. Okay, hold on. Because this is where I get a lot of times. People go, oh, man, it's so weird to pray with my spouse. Hold on a second. If you've been married for any amount of time, you have probably gone to the bathroom in front of each other. That has got to be more embarrassing than praying with one another. Okay? Or, here's a good one. If you have children, you've been real close before. You, I mean, if you've been in the room when you've had children, like the, the, the hospital, you know what's up. So why not pray with him now? Why not pray with her now? Why not set it as a habit? And it doesn't have to be super long. It doesn't have to take forever. It just simply has to be a small little thing. Just tell her, I want to pray, pray with you or pray for you before you go to work. Don't pray you have a great, pray you have a good day. Pray everything goes the way you need it to. Pray your holy, that God's Holy Spirit, you know, kind of guides you and directs you and encourages you. That's what I hope. And you will begin to see your relationship start to change if you just do that because what it does is it shifts the focus from everything else and shifts the focus to something bigger than you two. It shifts the focus to God. And then the question is not, I don't know what to do, in 10 years, in 10, 5, 10 years, you're going to look and go, okay, well, we got another problem. Well, what do we do? Let's join hands and let's pray. 
I'll pray for this, you pray for that. Like, let's do this. If you're not a hand holder, right, you just kind of hold your hands up like this. I'm not a hand holder, even with my wife. I like to hug her and pray. I don't like holding people's hands. Weird. But the truth is, it is. It's strange. You know, people put these things. But the point is, try it. I challenge you. I challenge you. Just try it for a week. Try it for a week. And don't make them long prayers. Make them 10-second, 15-second, 20-second prayers. And pray if you know the thing they're dealing with, you know the thing they're struggling with, pray for that. If it's patience, pray for it. If it's you know they're dealing with stuff at work, pray for that. If you know they're dealing with stuff with the kids, pray for that. Because it centers you back on God. And you'll be blown away at what will happen in your marriage. So I challenge you, pray with your spouse and center yourself. Place God at the center of your life and God at the center of your relationship. Because then, that's when it really begins to change. And then everything else we're going to talk about over the series, you'll be able to apply effectively. So, that's my challenge. Pray with your spouse this week if you would be so bold. So, let's pray. Father, thank you for this. Thank you for the opportunity that we even get to pray the way that we do. Lord, thank you that we can place you at the center of our lives, at the center of our marriage, and that will be the guiding factor that you would accept such a position. So Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit would guide us and direct us and maybe make us a little bit bolder to place you at the center of our life. That we would just feel a little bit more comfortable praying with our spouse. And maybe we would join hands and lock arms in prayer. Prayer over our families, prayer over our workplaces, prayer over our city, prayer over our church, our small groups, our life groups, our our tight-knit family communities. God, I pray that, that we wouldn't shy away from praying with the most important relationship we have on this earth. I pray that you would encourage us and guide us and direct us. Give us the courage to start doing those things that make us so uncomfortable. But it's in those places that you can grow us. We remember that today. Lord, we love you. We praise you. We cannot wait to see what you're about to do in this series. And it's in Jesus' name. Church said, amen. Would you guys stand and sing with us?